from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. So um, I felt like my childhood getting destroyed. All of their sentiment was, what did we do to deserve this? They were asking. First, donate money. Don't, don't donate stuff. It's hard to get there. And second, please understand it's not Russian people. It's definitely, it, it's, it, it's, a, it's a disaster for both Russian people and Ukrainian people. There were even Russian cars that were trying to sneak through border to, they were trying to go to Belarus and they were putting the Ukrainian flags in there, but they left the Russian plates on. I'm Sarah Funsky. As a teenager, Jean Litvin and his family left Ukraine. But earlier this month, Jean returned to the border of Poland and Ukraine at a particularly dark time in Ukrainian history. Millions of people are fleeing the country as Russia continues to attack. And Jean Litvin wanted to see it for himself, to bear witness, and to do what he could to help. Hello, everybody. We are on the Polish-Ukrainian uh on the road leading to Ukraine, my wife, I promise you, we're not gonna pass the border. We're just on the road there. But what we're seeing that there are a lot of firefighters from even non-European Union countries, like the one we're behind, they're going to help Ukraine. So it looks like different countries sending their firefighters to Ukraine to help. And you can tell by the plates that they're not even European Union, they're not Polish firefighters. And Ukrainian flag. And they have a Ukrainian flag on the back so you know where they're going and why they're going there. And that is from Gene Litvin's live stream recorded during his recent trip to Lublin, Poland. He is now back in St. Louis and he joins us today. Gene, welcome. Thank you. So to understand your trip, I think first it helps to understand a little bit about you and your family. Your family fled Ukraine when it was still part of the Soviet Union. What made you decide, what made the family decide that you had to leave? It was a very turmoil time. And being of a Jewish background, we were worried uh, that there will be a splash of anti-Semitism and uh, that we'll be persecuted. And just like propaganda is happening right now, um, just example of what's happening is peop any people, any group can be targeted and uh, acted upon. So whatever's happening right now by blaming Ukrainians, being fascist, nationalist, um, that's what was would have we were afraid was going to happen to us. We would have been targeted, persecuted. So uh, and there's a history behind it in Poland, in Ukraine, and in Russia. Mm -hmm. So my family decided to uh, immigrate because we had family here and they were helping us. So and you were 16 yes. when all this <laughs> happened. What was that like for you? It must have been so hard to uproot at that point in your life. A absolutely, I had a lot of friends and it was devastating to. Um, I, very, I made very close friendships, especially when I was uh, about my last two years. Very, f a lot of friends. They were, uh, some of them actually came with me. Uh, they, it was a long ride. We had to fly from Moscow, so they went on the train. There was a train ride, so they were like more. A lot of them came on the train to Moscow and just to, just to see me off. So it was, and I thought back then, I'm, I'm saying goodbye forever. I'll never see them again. Yeah. Because the Soviet Union was 
place like you, you don't you give up everything yeah it was at still point a closed country yep. your family fled you come here did you speak any english at that no, point no i barely knew the only phrase i knew is do you like such a nice weather <laughs> and that's not opening, a but yeah <laughs> yeah that was basically it i mean basic accounting that's about it we were like you know, the Soviet Union was not big about teaching international languages, so. Yeah. And so you said you thought you'd never see those friends again. Did that end up being the case? Uh, no, I actually uh, saw a lot of them. And thanks to the Internet, we started, able, uh, we were able to talk, uh, video conferencing. And some of them actually moved to United States or, or Germany. So I've I travel internationally, so I you know, was able to. Once the world opened up completely, I was able to meet them, and they were free. They were free to leave from Ukraine. They would mm -hmm. go, you know, so I, we met a lot of them, and so yes. So that's great. There's there's some happy endings on that departure, but then what's happening in your native country right now is just so devastating. So many people from around the world watching this in horror. You're originally from Kamilnitsky. Kamilnitsky. Yes. Okay. Um, has that area been hit hard by Russian forces? Uh, it has been hit. It hasn't been as bad as uh, uh, Kharkiv or uh, Mariupol. Uh, it has been hit because it used to be a uh, Soviet Union military station and so they basically proactively hit anything that was Soviet because it became Ukrainian so my dad was uh, working there and uh, so what that's one of the reasons why I reacted the way I did because every city that got hit has a personal connection with me because my dad used to take me on business trips to all those locations so um, I felt like my childhood getting destroyed yeah so this was very hard to watch you're seeing all this unfold on the news when did you decide, hey, you know what? I'm going to go to Eastern Europe. I'm going to go right up to the edge of Ukraine. It was two, twofold. One, um, once we start collecting, because everybody's in the same, like when I collect stuff, we're collecting stuff for Ukraine. We were um, at my work. I worked for, at Edgewell, and a lot of colleagues were collecting um, goods that were needed their personal care items um, in the, oh, my wife wanted to come because uh, she's a physician so she wanted to go uh, in so it was kind of like we were talking and I said like why don't we just go and uh, do what we can she was discouraged from going because they were requesting the World Health Organization basically said do not self-deploy do not go there you'll take somebody else's spot mm -hmm. um, and uh, the, the government has everything covered everything is great in the meantime, I'm talking to my Polish friends who are saying it's not it's not happening. The government is not as involved as people think. There's no single refugee camp in Poland. It's all being run by volunteers. Um, and uh, without my wife getting credentials, she was not be able, she definitely wouldn't be able to do any help. Yeah. So I decided I'm just gonna go. I have opportunity. I speak the language. I understand Polish. I speak Russian. I speak Ukrainian. Obviously English. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> No, your English is great, um, um, but so you have all of these other languages. Yeah. You thought maybe you could still be of help. So yes, and then so that's one thing. So my my friend said um, once I told them we have stuff to bring, they said that's great, but most of the stuff we can be sourced locally. So bringing stuff and that was my main challenge is how do we take this all and deliver it to Ukraine from there? It's very expensive to ship everything from here. Yeah. So um, and once I told my wife that I'm going, she was very reluctant <laughs> she Hard told to blame she, her for she, that. She, she basically basically says i didn't give her a choice i just basically showed her a ticket but she was very supportive after that moment and she reached out to her 
friends, coworkers, and our physician mommy group on Facebook. This is where um, a lot of our, like it was in two days of that we made $5,000 in donations from uh, that group, from uh, fr family, friends, from Hawashiu coworkers. People will start donating anywhere from $100, $500, and uh, like, it was amazing. And I had to use my personal Venmo because none of this was planned. Yeah. So you're not was, a nonprofit. I'm you're not just a nonprofit. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I didn't feel comfortable at first, but people uh, started coming in. Then my relatives from uh, that live here found out from Ukraine, um, and they start donating. And the just the sheer goodwill from people wanting to do to help was just amazing. And uh, uh, one of my uh, my cousins uh, and uh, Jane Hillsman, she she donated over three thousand dollars just for one donation, and wow. she works with St. Louis Cardinals, so they donated. So, so I kept I kept coming in. My hands got tired of thanking people on Venmo. Yeah, I mean <laughs> so, that's a, which that's is, a successful it, campaign yes, right there. So how much money did you end up raising? Over twenty thousand. Over twenty thousand. That's huge. Yes, it was. It, I. I I thank people tremendously. If anybody is listening, thank you. Uh, you cannot imagine how much it worked there. So I called myself a flying wallet when I was there. A flying wallet, because you're coming with the money. Exactly. And, and these friends had somewhat dissuaded you from bringing a whole bunch of stuff, but it yeah. sounds like money was very much yes. needed. So money was needed. So the second we landed uh, in, uh, well, the second I landed in Warsaw, we started going shopping there, and then we went to Lublin. So Lublin is a smaller town. It's a mid-sized town in Poland. And uh, so they have a version of Costco, Sam's Club. They have their version. And so we went there, and we were basically emptying shelves every time we're coming in <laughs> and uh, buying uh, uh, all necessary needs. And that's another thing why it's kind of hard to ship things there because mm -hmm. needs change on the ground, like, hourly. And what were you hearing while you were there? Here's what people really need right now. So it, it's basic. It's food. Oh. It's uh, you know tampons, pads, personal care items, uh, toothbrushes. Um, M again, nothing crazy um, mm -hmm. because it's just for necessities. But most people that I met, they left with nothing. Uh, they went to work, they came home, and their house was gone. So they got into the car and they drove to the airport, to, sorry, to the railroad station. They left their cars there with their kids and they just got on the, on the train and they went to Poland. So they need everything the clothes they have over there polish people donated a lot of clothes mm -hmm. but all the dur durable personal care items that people you know need and that's one thing that my my company Edgewell donated we donated over $150,000 of the uh, personal care items. So a Edgewell lot of Edgewell runs the brands Playtex, Chic. Yeah, you have a Hawaiian lot of Tropic, the kind of things Hawaiian Tropic, need. Banana Boat. So a lot of the stuff that we have, the the thing, it's a little bit harder with razors because you know there, there there's not much need for there. Mm -hmm. So we donated it from U.S. because we don't uh, the brands that we make for personal care items they're U.S. brands. So that's why mm -hmm. I actually brought with me. So you'll see on like on the picture where it's a. Uh, um, Playtex is mo not sold in Europe under their name, but now they have it because yeah. we donated it. The, the company donated Well, this is just amazing. And then also $20,000 in crowdsourced donations on top of this. A one-man humanitarian <laughs> mission or a, a traveling wallet, as yes. he likes to call himself. That's Gene Litvin, our guest today, um, himself fled Ukraine as a 16-year-old, um, part of a Jewish family trying to get away from persecution in the former Soviet Union. We do need to take a quick break. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Thank you.
Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com. Welcome back. We are talking today to Gene Litvin. He lives in St. Louis, uh, made a trip to Lublin, Poland, to try to help the refugees who are just streaming across the border, trying to flee the Russian attacks there, wanted to do what he could to help his fellow uh, Ukrainians. Gene is of Ukrainian descent and came here as a refugee as a 16-year-old. So Lublin, why did you pick Lublin of, of the towns to sort of base yourself in? I had a personal connection to Lublin when I, um, so I have a friend who is from there who I used to work with uh, for years, and we used to talk about being on different sides of the border. I was on the Ukrainian side of the border, he was on the Polish side, and uh, we used to kind of trade stories how we used to have people from Poland come to Ukraine and basically trade during the like the fall of Soviet Union when the perestroika was happening. Mm-hmm. So and he used to tell me how Ukrainians and Russians were coming in. So like we had this connection, instant connection we made. Um, and then when this whole thing was unveiling, even like two months before the war, Polish people could feel it. They yeah, ha- they have the like from World War Two, they have this feeling that something's going to be happening. Maybe a bit of PTSD yes, from absolutely. what the Russians did to yep, Poland. Yep, yep. Yeah. So they, so they felt it, and they were even more worried about than Ukrainian people because there was not a lot of warning. People were not like, in denial. Yeah. But so he was. They were preparing before Ukrainians were. So Poland, this is one of the reasons why Poland is actually ready for this, because they have the history. Mm. They know what the history. They don't want to repeat the history. They made a mistake during World War II. They did not act uh, when Czech Republic was taken over by Hitler. So to them, it's a repeat that they don't want to see happening. Hmm. So they feel very mobilized on this. Now, Lublin is around 60 miles from yep. the Ukrainian border. Did you then drive like right up to the border? How close did so you get? So we, we got probably close, maybe 40 miles. So we got as close as we could going from Warsaw. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we saw a lot of truck. They basically, like you see in the sound, sound interview, you saw a lot of cars going there. There were even Russian cars that were trying to sneak through border to, they were trying to go to Belarus and they were putting the Ukrainian flags in there, but they left the Russian plates on. So the Polish people were stopping them. But there's a lot of, because of the embargo, they're still trying to see. So you, you yeah. can see a lot of interesting activities happening there. So there was a whole lot happening yes. right there. Yeah. Did you see then refugees as they were leaving Ukraine? Um, here we are, we're in Poland. So I, it's mostly on trains because they don't go by car. Very few people go by car. It's dangerous, dangerous on the roads. People don't want to be on the car. So they, the safest way is railroad. So mm-hmm. they, they go by buses, but mostly by railroad. And when they're on the railroad, then where would they be getting off? So they're getting off in Lublin. So oh, okay. Lublin is the first train station where they get off. So they, they cross the border, they go to Lublin, and that's where um, they sit. So they sit on the railroad, and this was where I saw uh, a lot of it. It was very hard. I didn't want to record people. Yeah. Uh, it was very, it, 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 it's danger. It's a, 
it's not dangerous in a sense, but I also don't want to expose people to this. Uh, I'm sure you didn't want to put them on the spot. No, like no, this is the no. hardest it, moments it of is, their life. It is definitely so. I met few people and I talked to them. In yeah. this is where the, this is this refugee group is consists of doctors, lawyers, engineers. They were yesterday. That's what they did. They went to work. They did their stuff. They didn't want to leave. Yeah. They waited until you know they. But what happened was they just like they got. Their houses got blown up. Their family just needed to leave. So that's what the, that's people I met, and that's what they were. In they all of their sentiment was, "What did we do to deserve this?" They were asking, you know, like, and they were they were different groups. There, I mean, there a lot of us Russian driven, but they have the shooting from Belarus. Mm-hmm. So Belarus is kind of like unwilling partner in this for because obviously, I mean, I'm sure people of Belarus don't want to don't want to participate in this and even regular Russian people don't want to do it because yeah. I, have, I have friends and family in Russia and my wife is from St. Petersburg we like a lot of friends have a huge sentiment for Ukrainian people don't you know it's it's the government and it's Putin mainly and that's what even in Poland they they don't blame Russian p- people it's going to be hard to distinguish because Putin keeps tying himself into this po- political agenda and he's He's not separating himself from the Russian people. Yeah. But a lot of Russian people are. They're still protesting. And, you know, we have a very good friend, Yelena. She she um, donated money. And she her brother in, in St. Petersburg, he's actually protesting. <laughs> and he's afraid for his life because it's, it's dangerous. Yeah. I mean, those seem like the bravest people, the people living in Russia who are rising up to protest. So much respect for them. Yep. Yep. And it's just terrifying. So you're there. You're seeing people. People leave uh, these trains and and sort of, you know, they're encountering suddenly this new life in Poland. Were there enough aid workers there and people who were able to help them and, and so process them? It, this is where it's becoming a problem. The yeah. first, when I was first talking, first talking to my uh, Polish friends, they said they were sending volunteers away first week. Hmm. Week two, it became harder. Week three, they're asking people to volunteer now. So the goodwill is there, but it's running out because it's all the Polish government is not dedicating uh, people. Hmm. They're what they've done. They don't want to provoke Putin, obviously. But what they've done is they allowed Ukrainians to come in. They allowed them to get jobs. They can so no visas. You can get a job. And you, kids can go to school. But there's not enough schooling. Yeah, there's, there's not. I mean, two over two million. People, there's not enough schools. That's there's not so no, many people no to housing. absorb. Yeah, and there, so people have no. I have per, helped the family because they were about to turn around and go back to Ukraine. Wow. Because they didn't have a pillow. They, wow. So they had a bench to sleep on, but they were like, we don't even have a pillow. So um, we reached out to them. We put them. There's no apartments for rent in Poland. It's all rooms, and they're like three or four people to a room. So this is hard for us to hear here in America, where we have just so much room and we all have so much stuff. Um, for people who didn't hear about your trip in time to donate to this, where would you suggest today that, that we could be of the most use? So there is an organization called Ukrainian Trust Chain that is basically, I discovered I'm, uh, them and I met with them while, while I was in Poland. You could I do some to, personal vetting. Yes, exactly. And, uh, so I met and they, we have exactly the same agenda except they're a little bit more organized and they already set up nonprofit and all the money, 100% of the money is going directly to all the cause and you actually see where your money goes. Just like I recorded videos for, to show people where the money goes, that's where it's happening. The thing that the, the Ukrainian trust chain is doing is uh, working with uh, evacuating people from uh, the hot zones and um, 
uh, feeding people over there. Uh, we're working with them together now to use my Polish connections to bridge the gap is because they will leave the hot zone, but they still need to be in, in somewhere safe. Mm-hmm. So going to Poland and placing them there, but also getting gathering supplies because getting supplies because the trash chain is based off Chicago. So getting supplies from U.S. is still very expensive and it's not it's time consuming. Mm-hmm. Just so, doesn't make sense. To so do we're it trying that way. to we're setting up. Um, origination points from Germany, from Czech Republic, from Poland, and uh, we already have carrier people who bring into Ukraine, and they're bringing people back. So basically, supplies going in Paul, uh, Ukraine, and the people are leaving, and they will have more uh, set. We'll basically have them set up. So instead of just going to the ra- uh, railroad station and waiting for people to come and get them, because that's what's happening. Regular Polish people, out of the goodness of their heart, going there and taking people into their houses. Yeah, that's so impressive. You know, not just to say, oh, I have an extra house. I'll help. I'll help set you up here. They're taking them. Into their into houses. Into their houses. Were you impressed by what you saw? I, I, I was amazed, and I, I I wasn't on to this day. I'm I'm like to even Ukrainian people that I met who lived who lived in Poland. They were like, we're in shock. We are so amazed by Polish people because they did, don't have to open their heart as yeah. much as they did. They don't have to do this. They can just you know they can just go, do what minimum in still be good. Yeah. But they're doing it with an open heart, with open minds, with open arms. They're taking off their shirt and giving it to Ukrainians. In So um, I did want to mention one thing. There's a group in uh, Lublin that we started store together. So it was a store that we did for uh, Ukrainian people to actually go to the mall. And we rented the room and in the mall. And when you go in there, you basically experience normal shopping. You don't uh, you don't you don't feel like you, this is a second hand. You, yeah. you just like you get to pick what you, you need. Get, you, and... Yeah, you get to pick what you need, and, and all you do your Ukrainian passport is your credit card. Wow! So you don't have to pay. But in right now, I just heard from them last night uh, that they they have about eight hundred people a day walking in there and getting like three to four thousand items. Wow! And uh, so, and then what we did, so like a lot of this, this helps because we're also contributing money to pay Ukrainian people to go and work there because obviously there's the jobs are hard to find. Yeah. And uh, but they don't want to sit and just be on the. I mean, they're they're professional. They want to do something. Yeah. So now they can go and just work there and just or at least socialize. Yeah. Too. So well, it's so great to hear about how this money is just so well spent. You were able to do so much with this, and and for people who may feel encouraged to give, we're going to tweet out a link to that Ukrainian trust uh, chain, that organization that you so highly recommend from from what you saw there on the border. I'm wondering how this journey impacted you. I mean, you yourself have this refugee story, um, and this is something you've carried with you your whole life. And then to go back and see so many people kind of in that same boat, was that in some ways hard? It was very hard, but it was also very rewarding. I, I, I don't feel, until this day, I don't feel I did anything special because you know, I bought a ticket, I took stuff over, and I, I think Polish people are the ones that are doing a great thing, and they're risking, they're truly risking their lives because a lot of them are crossing borders. They're sitting next to, you know, the dangerous area, and they could be next. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, there, there were shots that I could hear uh, because there was one day when they fired about 20 miles uh, next to the border, so you could actually hear uh, like shot because they were putting the, the, the day that. Polish Prime Minister went to meet with Zelensky. 
Putin wanted to send a message to Poland saying, so he yeah, made watching. sure they heard yes. it. So, and they heard it. Yeah. They definitely heard it. So it was, uh, and then one day there was actually cyber attack on the train when I was taking a train from Lublin to Warsaw when I was coming back. So my Polish friends were saying, hey, there's a cyber attack. Where's, where's your train? And I'm like, no, I'm actually already in Warsaw. But there was delays, like three-hour delays that day. So it's 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 happening. Yeah. It's happening. The war's even on cyber front. So it's Yeah, so they're a bit on edge over yes, there. They're but they're definitely it was definitely on edge and I kept trying to find a news article about the cyber attack and it was not they were like, No, we don't want to scare anybody, keep taking trains. So <laughs> Oh, boy. It's, uh, I mean, these, these are things I feel like I would want to know if I was living there. Yeah. But So and that's what yeah. the Polish people are saying. Like, we yeah. are we, do we live in a state where is it dangerous because we don't know? Is it dangerous because the cybersecurity is not as good? Yeah. I bet in some ways you feel pretty good that you're back here now. I am very happy yeah. I'm back. Uh, it's nice to be. I was staying on a couch. <laughs> nice to sleep with my own bed. Good to have a bed. <laughs> yes. And I'm allergic to cats. So there were two cats. I forgot. My friend forgot to mention that she had two cats. So by the time I got there uh, the first thing i asked for is like when we go shopping for medicine can i get some <laughs> i need Allegra? some myself yeah <laughs> so yes so that was a i guess the, i think that was the only sacrifice i truly made is i usually don't allow animals in our household because i'm allergic but that's the that's my personal sacrifice. <laughs> well, as anyone with a cat allergy can tell you, that's a real sacrifice. So, Gene Litvin, it was great to hear about all this. Uh, just final thought you want to leave us with today as we're thinking about everything in Ukraine and, and what the Ukrainian and the Polish people are dealing with. First, donate money. Don't, don't donate stuff. It's hard to get there. And second, please understand it's not Russian people. It's definitely it, – it's, it, it's, it's a disaster for both Russian people and Ukrainian people. So Polish people deserve all the kudos. Ukrainian people, we always you. But you know, Russian people just need to stand up to the dictator. That's the only thing we need to do. The history should not repeat itself. Well, Gene Litvin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. This episode was produced by Kayla Drake with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.